1: and i'm down to dunk this is who and i'm down to Dort. i'm
2: josh giddy and i'm down to dunk hey this is kenny Hillson and i'm down to dunk i'm darius basley
3: and i'm down to dunk i'm mike muscala and i'm down to dunk this is poker and i'm down to dunk i love cereal captain crunch salmon toast crunch Jaclyn Oats, Brand. Oh, I can hide these. I'm gonna share with my team, but I'm a hog monster. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host Andrew slack We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. It's August 22nd, which means there's not a whole lot going on, but we still got McKelly Bear with us. McKelly, what's up? Well,
2: uh, I am in my car uh, in a better location, hopefully for a podcast. Uh, it's weird, uh, but hey. Uh, this is life in August.
3: <laughs> uh, it's Voicemail Monday here at Down to Dunk. we got an overwhelming amount of voicemails. If I didn't get your voicemail, one, I'm sorry. Two, I will say, here's some guidelines that will get your voicemail for sure onto the show. Number one, keep it brief, okay? If it's over one, if it's like a minute and a half, it may be tough to get it on the show. Uh, I had some, yeah. I had several people give me some three-minute Clips. I just we just can't do that. We've got.
2: I had 25 seconds in my mind. Yeah. As a good threshold.
3: (laughs) Yeah. If you if you give me 45 seconds, even like get it get it done in 45 seconds, we're we're golden. And if it's a good question, you're getting in the show. It's gonna happen. So keep it brief, and you will get in the show. Promise you. So uh, okay, our first question is actually uh, it's a it's a question that I get a lot when I meet people in person, we'll just start, they want to talk about the show, they want to talk about Down to Dunk or Athletic NBA show or something. One of the questions that people always ask me is this question. So here is here is our first caller.
4: Hi, my name is Andrew. Shout out from Tulsa. And my question is, I am curious to hear some backstory or context as to how Michele uh, started covering the Thunder or met Andrew and joined Down to Dunk. Thank you guys
3: for the great content. So this is one, great voicemail. Very brief. Got straight to the point. It was perfect. But this seriously is a question that I get all the time. I feel like I answer this question, you know, at least, you know, one or two times a week. Um, So, Michele, why don't you, I'll let you start. I'll let you start from your perspective, how how everything went down with you eventually joining the show.
2: Well, um... It started with my passion for the Thunder in general. Um, I think I got into the Thunder because of Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Um, and and since then, I, I started to search for podcasts uh, that were covering the Thunder. And it was basically Andrews. And I think it was the first year of Thunder Buddies. And those were my my regular podcasts. And at the time, I was into coverings and um, trying to to, to cover um, basketball in an analytical way. So me and a couple of friends, we tried to build a company that made basketball service for teams. Like he, we built a, a pl- platform where you could tag your game and get analytics and and stuff like that. And we had basically our first uh, sponsor. It was a guy, Rick Voice, who now works for Arizona Mm -hmm. uh, in NCAA. He used to work for Gonzaga. And he wanted his basically personalized scouting tool. And and that year was the year of Domas Sabonis. Um, And so I started chatting with Andrew on, on Twitter about Analytics about Vantage sport, which is which was something that Andrew was doing at the time, and we went into Sabonis a little bit. Um, I also gave him a little bit of news on draft night because we we had like very good info uh, in that year. And and the first, the very first podcast, uh, Andrew told me, "Hey, why don't you come and just talk about Domas yeah. for an entire episode?" And and it started like that, I think, and then. I mean, it was not regular until I think the season afterwards yeah. when we started doing it more regularly and uh getting in every Monday and, and stuff like that. So I think it this is how it started.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean we just we started just uh it was like a lot of Twitter DMs, you know, back and forth about yeah. stuff. And then yeah. we hopped on Skype a couple of times and just to like chat about things, whether that was like yeah. the vanished sports stuff or draft, you know, whatever. And I was like, why don't we just record this? Like these conversations have been good. Let's just record it and see what happens. And, you know, here we are all these years later still recording every Monday. It's pretty awesome. Um, so, McKelly yeah. is not only one of the smartest basketball people that you know, but he's one of uh, just one of, one of the greatest people. Too, just a, a good friend of mine. It's just funny how stuff like this works. Is like, you know, you talk basketball all the time, but like McKelly is definitely like one of my closest friends as well. Um, even though we've only met in person one time, um,
2: yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's very weird. Yeah. but um, it's life. Yeah. Uh,
3: okay, next question. It's about Poku. We actually got a lot of Poku questions. I don't know how many we'll answer today, but we got a lot of Poku questions.
4: Hey gang, this is Nathan. I want to know about Poku. Uh, assume that he's averaging 12 minutes a game. What's a stat line that would really commit you to keeping him? Like a not not a Shea level keep, or even a Dort level. More of like a Kinrich level of keeping him and committing to him. What kind of stat line would that look like? Thanks. Keep up the good work, y'all.
3: with poku to me it's less about necessarily like the counting stats and it's more about like how efficient can he be because that's yeah. going to determine if he can actually be an nba player uh, he was a little bit more efficient last season than he was in his rookie year but he still was we it's like that's a good the, way to put it bottom of <laughs> the barrel efficiency yeah bottom of the barrel efficiency to normal bad you know he went mm-hmm. from 34% from the field to 40% from the field he's you know he shot 28% this year and the previous year from three like he's got to shoot let's can we like sniff league average before we talk about like a keeper you know when it comes to shooting like the, to me that's really it you know his stat line last year like 8 points 5 boards 2 assists you know half a block, half a steal. That's not like a bad stat line. You know, he hit almost three game. Like, cool. But it's about like, are your minutes worth it? You know, can you shoot it well enough to stay on the court? Like that's, that to me is going to be it because he's already behind with this like thunder roster crunch. Like he's, he was like one of the more important guys heading into last season and he's being pushed further and further back. Where like like, he's grouped with, like, is Usman Jang's development more important than Poku's? Like, probably. Um, like he's being pushed back further and further by the way that his roster is being built. And so he's going to have to, it's sink or swim time for Poku. And if he's going to make it, he's going to have, to me, he would have had to have a really good summer and a really good training camp. And so, like, if he has the same stats where it's like eight, five, and eight, five, and two, that I don't care about that as much as if if it's eight, five, and two on 45% from the field, 33% from three. That to me, if we saw that stat line, then I would say, you know what? I think Poku's gonna make it. But if it's 40% from the field again, 28% from three. It's like, man, I don't know if he's gonna make it. I don't know if I don't know if this can work because um, he's not like yeah, some why, crazy defender.
2: But why are you so worried? We seen a video where he's swishing trees in the gym. So True. he shot 100%
3: it's, it's open, one hundred percent in that. He shot one hundred percent in that video. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: That's that's amazing. No, I'm totally with you, and I don't have to add anything because you were like right on point. I th- think that the defense is good. Um, it's not great. But yeah. i really want to see him playing with chat because all that length to me is very enticing uh so either he shows that when he plays with chat there is uh i don't know 92%, uh, 92 percent a 92 uh defensive rating mm-hmm. something like that where you say oh wow this is really working uh and the offense is not terrible with him on the court, um, then I'm even willing with below average three-point shooting, like 32, 33%, not 28, of course, um, I'm willing to say, hey, if this becomes a player that pair with Chet Holmgren and Shea and Dort and Jay Will or whoever, Giddy, uh, can take your defense to another level, Mm -hmm. which is something that we saw glimpses of, but not really uh, sustained uh, quality of defense. Um, so I'm I'm willing to say, hey, let's see if the defensive side and all that length works together. Uh, if it does, great. If not, then he has to be efficient because otherwise, um, it's going to be it's going to be tricky.
3: Yeah, to me, it's just like, can he make threes? If he can make threes, he can play. If he can't make threes, then he can't play. Uh, all right, next question is a would-you-rather question about painful memories from the past.
1: Hey, Andrew and
4: McKelly, This is John Whipple calling from Atlanta, Georgia. So, appreciate you so much for taking my question. On last week's uh, Summer of Sam pod, you really opened up some fresh wounds for me. I was actually living in the Bay Area in 2016 when... Durant chose to join the Warriors, and I had to drive by a welcome KD billboard every day on my way to work. So to deal with this pain and frustration, I thought I would like to see you guys play a a favorite game of mine called Would You Rather? So I'm going to give you two scenarios. One, would you rather have had Durant sign a one-on-one extension in the summer of 2016 but have him end up leaving uh, the next summer?
3: Oh, oh no! It just cut off. Uh, his would you rather is and I can I'll finish it. It's would you rather have Kevin Durant sign a one and one, knowing that he will eventually leave, or would you rather James Harden um, have stayed for one more season, but eventually been traded, like resigned, but been traded like the the following summer?
2: Oh, to me, it's very clear. I mean, the fact that if. Uh, well, it's not very clear. Um, let's say that let's try to put pros and cons. The pros of keeping Harden one more year is that you get assets for him, mm-hmm. and and it would be it would have been a lot, like way more than what they got. Yeah, uh, it would have probably be something like Bradley Beal or like a very good player. Because at that, if Harden stays another year. And you really have a chance to be the best in the league. Mm-hmm. I think so. I yeah. really think so. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you say, hey, let's try to play Baka at the 5 and just roll with yeah. Harden, Westbrook, KD, Baka and and Tabo. That would have been amazing. So mm-hmm. that is a good part. Um, the 1 plus 1 for KD gives you probably the same level of Maybe not even the same level of chances of of a championship, because that team was not probably as talented as OKC in twenty twelve. Uh, yeah, we Harden. have to remember, though, so, like, they
3: get Hor- they get Oladipo a chance at Horford, they get a bonus.
2: Yeah, yeah, but with a one plus one, they really get Horford. That that know. needs to
3: be discussed because if that is the case, then I think you get if you, you get really KD to sign on the dotted line. You get you get a real meeting with Al Horford.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's I don't know. I think that the the team that has the best odds is still the 2013 with Harden. So and, and you also get assets on top because if KD leaves, then the assets is the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and you may even see Russell Westbrook going because does Russ sign with KD signing a one plus one? I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, like I he would know. stay on the same contract and you have to see KD leaving. Now you now Russ can leave because he's no hero. Uh they have the same life in OKC basically, KD and Hart. You, you really risk to lose all the assets you have. Yeah. Uh maybe you tank or you tank earlier, but I, I would I would choose Harden probably.
3: Yeah, I think so too. I think just trying to disrupt the timeline earlier on, I think is what I would do. And it puts like the impetus more on Harden to like ask out and to like push himself out. Yeah. Rather than it is like, oh, this is Sam's choice. You know, Sam chose, you know, Ibaka over Harden or he chose to not amnesty perk over like you get, you kind of eliminate all of that. um, Yeah. And you give that young team one more chance. You know, one more bite at the apple. I think I I would agree with that. And then who knows what it looks like moving forward. You know, if they actually do get Brad Beale or they actually do get Clay Thompson, um now I'm sad. Next question. <laughs> hey guys.
4: Um Christian here. Big fan of the show. Thank you guys for doing this. Um my question um is kinda of two-point question about chat. Um first of all, I guess my biggest concern with Chet, and maybe I, I should have other concerns, whatever, is it's his frame, and it's how his frame is going to develop, um, if they can develop. And I feel like, I, I you know, I, I know you guys don't really talk about it that much. Um, you guys talk about other things with Chad and everything, and it's like, I feel like that's that's really a, a big obstacle in his way. Um, and it feels like, you know, without it, it's, it's almost like, without that development, it's, it's going to be a massive, it's going to be a big issue to, to who he can become as a player. And and um, I guess I was wondering, like, why aren't you guys concerned about his brain? Um, like, why why is it kind of just something that we kind of gloss over? Um, when other people, it seems like, like you know, it seems like experts around the NBA and, and, and a lot of draft experts, you know, that was like a big concern, um, you know, for chat And then the second, uh, my second question is, what do you think of, like the comp of Porzingis for Chet. Um, obviously, you know, he did have, he's had injuries a lot in his career. Um, you know, but also just like, just overall the comparison. Uh, what do you guys think? Um, you know, shooting, everything. Uh, thanks, guys.
3: I think the, the frame stuff is almost like implied. Like when we talk yeah, about him, you know, it's not that it isn't a concern for us, it's just almost like, it's like it's a low-hanging fruit of what what to talk about when you talk about Chet, you know? And mm-hmm. so we try to get more nuanced than that. Why you hear it a lot from people that cover the league as a whole or from anybody else is that, like, it's just the easiest thing to talk about, you know, when it comes to Chet. You don't have to know a whole lot about him or about his game in order to talk about his frame. Um, yes, it's a concern. It's going to be a concern. I think he will get stronger. I think that he... Has shown that his frame up to this point hasn't, you know, kept him from competing at a high level. You know, he competed at a high level in um, in college basketball. He's always done very well against his peers. Um, I th- almost think we're to the point where it's maybe a little bit overrated as far as like a concern. Because mm-hmm. some people talk about it probably too much, um, but it is definitely if you were to you're going to have a list of concerns that you have with Chet. It's at the top. You know, like it's the reason he went number two and not number one.
2: Yeah, and if I add to that, I think that the most important thing to me is not the fact that he's slim. Because if he stays slim and he's a guy that can be pushed by, I don't know, Nikola Jokic or Embiid or, Mm -hmm. I don't know, some very big center, Uh, by Zion, for example. Yeah. Um, I don't particularly care. Like If that is the downside, I don't even care about his frame. The thing that worries me a lot is the durability. Because with Mm -hmm. that frame, with that height, to me, that is is the only problem of his frame. If he's skinny, okay, nice, fine. He cannot withhold, uh, he cannot withstand on very big post up players. Who cares? This is not the league. That is, um, that we are going towards. The the thing to me is the durability. And if he's, I don't know, uh, the first contact with LeBron James, he slips and turns his ankle. Now we all know about the Pro-Am, the fact that the, the 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 gym was wet and whatnot. So I don't want to say anything about that. I don't know anything about that. But yeah, um, if that of, like, is the real history news of chat, about
3: that either, so it's I don't. Yeah, like, we can talk about that it happened, but like, do we know what his status is? Do we know what really no, happened? Like, yeah, we don't really know. It can be
2: something that that that. Uh, yeah, let's let's just sit you for this game, and you are mm-hmm. good, good to go for the next one. Right. So it can be nothing. But if this starts to be a trend where it can't stay on the court because of his frame, then it is a concern. And, and we said it from the beginning. Maybe uh, the listener was not the subscriber of uh, the Ocarus c team, but we spent an entire episode on him saying, hey, frame is a huge issue. Yeah. Would you pass on that? Would you pass on Chet because of his frame? I think the answer is no. Um, and this allows me to go to Porzingis, because if you think about Porzingis and Chet, I mean, you are not doing this right. Porzingis is, is a tall player that can shoot the basketball pretty well, mm-hmm. but is more a play finisher than anything else. Yep. The allure with Chet Holmgren is the fact that he can dribble the ball, he can uh, attack the basketball, uh, he can create from the dribble.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like Porzingis is not a guy like that. Yep. He's way more stiff than than Chet. Chet is fluid. Chet is a fluid athlete. That can play in space so to me is a different player uh, and it's that is that is why it's so hard to find a comp for chat yeah. because he is kind of unique being seven feet tall and he's able to do the stuff that he does on the ball and it's not even fair to compare it with a guy like Jokic because Jokic does most of the things that he does well from a standstill uh, like he can shoot in front of you. He can uh, dance in the post. He can pass the ball like crazy, but he's not the guy that does it off of movement, whereas Chet moves a lot around. So um, it's it's very difficult to find a comp for Chet.
3: Yeah, there's not a good comp for him. There's really not. And that's okay. You know, there's not a good comp for yeah, Giddy, not a good comp for Chet. You know, that's good. That's a good thing. The guys that change the league are guys that don't have good comps. Uh, all right. Next question is about the Alperin and Shangoon trade.
5: Hi, oh, nice. uh, This is Derek from Connecticut. And I was thinking about the trade of the draft picks that became uh, Shangoon. And Presley said at the time that it was all about the value for that pick. And yet, Advanced mat- Metrics uh, loved Shangoon. And so he really ha- seemed like he had great value at that pick. And I've wondered in the past if maybe the Thunder um, had concerns about his defense, and that was also part of consideration in the trade. Um, Or more recently, I was thinking, could it be that by pushing the picks to a later time, it helped the tank and thus helped to get uh, Chet? Then also those uh, picks uh, later contributed to getting Zhang as well, as you guys talked a little bit about. So, um, I was wondering if, you know, could that be that those combined, which are clearly better than Shingoon, do you think that that's a possibility that, uh, helps explain the trade of the Shingoon pick more? Because for a while I had really been baffled by it. Um, or was Trusty being forthright about, uh, it being purely of the value of the future picks versus that pick then? Uh, Looking forward to hearing your guys' answers. And oh, I was uh, working alone a lot during the pandemic, and uh, the great camaraderie you guys all have really helped me get through some lonely days. So thanks for that, too. Uh,
3: Thanks so much for saying what you did at the end there. Um, That means a lot to me. I'm sure it means a lot to the other guys, too, to be able to hear that. Um, So I'm really glad that we could be part of that uh, part of that journey for you so as far as the Gun trade, I do think that Sam was being forthright and that it was a lot about the value at the time to get two picks for the 16th pick is a lot uh, and but I do think that <clears throat> your so I would say that like two of your points were I think good I think that Shangun is going to be a tough player to build around if he is one of your key pieces like if he's a bench big like who cares you know but if he's a if you think he's a starting level big well now we've got some concerns because he's not going to he's not a he's not really even that big um, number one number two Mm -hmm. he is going to struggle defensively to keep up with a lot of guys Um, he's he's not a great room protector he doesn't really do anything great on defense you know and so it puts you in kind of a bind as to how to build I mean I think Michele pointed this out many times during the draft process. It's like a little bit like Vucevic. Good player. He's made an all-star team. He has had a really great career. You know, really, really good player. Uh, But tough to build a championship-level team around. Um, And hasn't really been on, like, a really good team. Part of that's not his fault. You know, the Atlanta Magic couldn't put a great team around him. Now he's on the Bulls, who have, like, a decent team, but um, just a, a tougher player to build around. So I think that those are valid. As far as like tanking goes, I mean the Houston Rockets did just fine with Shangun on their roster and tanked, and you know lost more games than the Thunder. So I don't necessarily buy no. that one. Um, no, I think it would help it may defensively.
2: OKC was good enough, and with Shangun they would have not been good enough. Right. So yeah, no, that part I don't buy.
3: Yeah. But it's a good question. I think it's good to reflect yeah. back on those things. And like, I mean, I did a Rockets podcast that I think was I think it was released last week. Um, and basically, the Thunder chose um, Usman Jang over Shangun. You know, it was like the same assets, basically plus one pick to get up to eleven. Um, yeah, but they ended up using those assets to get a wing, which I. By process, I like it. Instead of picking a limited defensive, you know, a guy who's going to be limited defensively at the big position versus like a wing that's multi-tooled, I like the process. As far as like the players though, I liked Shangun better in last year's draft than I did Jang in this. Um,
2: Interesting.
3: So, so, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it all works out. But I like the idea of drafting like a six eleven wing. Uh, that can kind of do it all better than drafting a big, but we'll see how it all you know, turns. I would have
2: out. just just drafted probably Murphy the third with sixteen and <laughs> be okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that that is that is my truly that is my only qualm with the with the trade. I mean, I I like Trey Murphy the third well enough mm-hmm. to say, hey Rockets, we take Trey Murphy if. Shangun is there at eighteen. Then we accept the trade. If not, yeah, we'll just draft Trey Man. Yeah, and and to me, it's like Trey Murphy is still the perfect player to put around Gideon Shea. To mm-hmm. me, now maybe J Will will be sorry J Dub will be part of that. Maybe maybe Jenk will be better than Trey Murphy because the creation skills. And, and the fact that he's so young yeah are very interesting um qualities yeah. um yeah yeah can be no these, yeah who knows jen can be amazing i mean if the shot goes in uh, he's defensively he has instincts that are very very good and, and he he understands space um he can make decisions with the ball which is something that presti surely likes so it's it's something that um, I mean, you can, you can understand why uh, you don't go with play finishers. Um, Shingun is not a play finisher. He's also a creator, but the defensive limitation. And maybe, and maybe it's not, not just that. Uh, Shingun t- talked about the, the interview process, which he clearly didn't like. And so, hey, maybe it's just that. Like, um, if you don't like the interview process... It's hard for you to buy into a company and probably for the company it's hard to buy on you. Mm. Uh, like it happens to all of us, but I think that when you are interviewing for a job, you kind of know if you are right for that job or not. I mean yeah. it happened to me a lot where y- you could tell, yes, I made a good impression but this is not the place where I want to work or the opposite. like you, you, you just hate <laughs> the interview process and you says, no <laughs> like this is not good for me. I even dropped uh an interview once like in in the middle of it i said uh look no (laughs) this is (laughs) this is not going to work so are you sure yes i'm definitely sure yeah so maybe maybe like this that part of the deal it's never something it's never uh discussed enough because there is no no data no no source on that process but it's very important and if shangun like discussed it and said the interview process was really weird then to me it's enough to say hey that is a good reason why the two parts said okay maybe we are not meant to be together
3: yeah uh next question has a very interesting proposition for us
1: hey guys it's bryson i'm from oklahoma city uh don't give up on poku just yet it's too soon (laughs) anyways my question is kind of a hypothetical Sam Presty. He comes up to you. He says, "Hey, I know how much you care about the Thunder, how intrigued you are with our franchise, and how we keep things pretty secret around here. And people want to know what's going on behind the scenes. But hey, I got a deal for you. If you cut off the tip of your pinky, I'll let you in on the war room on draft night. Are you doing it? Thanks."
3: First of all, Sam Preston, you're a sick man wanting to cut off the tip of my pinky. Uh, second of all, I would say no deal to that. Here's what I would propose to Sam is let me in on the conversations that occur before the draft because that's where the magic is really happening. Because on draft night, what happens is they have their board and they just select who is there, you know, who whatever falls to them. And obviously, they're going to do some trades and, and whatnot, but like it's more or less like the decision's already been made on draft night, mm-hmm. what's going to happen. And so, I want to be a part of the conversations that lead up to that point. I want to see how that unfolds. I want to see what the process looks like more so than like the results of the night, you know, because there's probably not going to be a lot of conversation going on that night. It's like, all right. The Rockets chose so-and-so, so we're taking this guy. We had already decided that four weeks ago. This is what we're going to do. Here we go. You know? Um, yeah. That, to me, I think it would be a really big letdown, and I would lose the tip of my pinky.
2: Yeah, it will be not not nice afterwards, and it's something that stays with you for life. Yeah. In one year, who cares yeah. about the discussion that led to the jeng trade? I mean like if i am guaranteed of a lifetime supply of questions that i can ask and that presti would answer truthfully Mm -hmm. and that i can use i don't know in five years to write or to discuss maybe i'll think about it but it's a pinky like it's 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 not useless i mean i would be probably a little bit less able to ski no to like no no no, no. it's something I, I i need to type with five mm-hmm. fingers on my mm-hmm. keyboard it, it would be like not convenient for me yeah i agree uh, all right this next and it's is- and it's more fun to speculate like yeah
3: that's true like if
2: you really know the truth and you cannot say anything for five years that that is going to be trouble for you like yeah i know yeah. but like, i need to swing reality a little bit no it's it's that's more true. fun to speculate yeah, and more, to try to be a, accurate
3: yeah that'd be more fun that'd be more money in my therapist's pocket at that point you know i'm just like <laughs> you know. all right I- Ch- chip england question
1: hey Fellas, it's Jason Conway at Level Salonzo on Twitter. I believe I just left you a voicemail with a muted headset. So aside from being technical, I'm green out, I do have a question. Uh, if you were to rank the percentages of what Chip England was brought in for on a five-player basis, basically a maximum of five players up to 100 percent, for instance, Poku's shooting was 40 percent of the equation, uh, While well, Giddy's was forty percent, and who knows? But uh, and then what you think? How the how you think those expectations would play out? How you think those players will actually be affected? Maybe five different players are affected uh, positively. Uh, anyway, I appreciate it. Hope that wasn't too confusing. Thank you.
3: Okay, I think this is interesting, um, Chip. I would guess is being brought in to just kind of do the same thing that he did in San Antonio, which is to just be a shooting coach. And it's a very interesting job because it's a job that I think we won't see the fruits of the labor for a little while. You know, I don't know that we're going to see results right away. I don't know that we're going to see Josh be great, you know, right away. I would say that Josh is like the main reason why you would want to bring in Chip though. You know, because Josh is such an intriguing player, such an interesting player, but only is he like high level interesting if he can is if he can shoot the basketball. And to me, he's like mm. I would throw like 50% at at Josh like right away. Just like this is this is your project, Chip. This is like another thing that if yeah. if Josh becomes a good shooter, like and Chip can hang his hat on that. Like, holy smokes, man. Like, I I think Josh will be an all-star. I think Josh will be one of the best players in the NBA if he can shoot. Uh, It's a giant if. um, But I would say that even if he's 100% of the reason that you brought in Chip England, then I think you did the right thing.
2: Okay. Let me pose you a very uh, weird hypothetical. Okay, Would you rather have Shea Giggs-Alexander improving to 38, 39% for his entire career because of England or having Giddy shooting 35%, 36% even.
3: Oh boy. So, but then what is Shea? What would you say Shea would be if he's not 38%? Like what's the, what's the alternative with Shea?
2: I think that Shea, Shea to me is a 34 to 35% three point shooter.
3: I think. Yeah, give me, give me, um, I would say give me Giddy at 35% as well.
2: Okay. Because I think that if Shea can be a 39% three point shooter mm-hmm. with his distribution, he would be a top five player in the league, top seven, eight player in the league.
3: Yeah. And um. I
2: need that to be a championship contender. I don't think that Giddy with a 35, 36% three-point shooting with his distribution, which is mainly spot-up and maybe some of like, um, the dribble stuff, yeah. he is not a top-five player.
3: I don't think. I think that you would have two top-20 players, though. Two top, even 15 players in their prime. And like... He, like here's just an interesting question. Like, what has what Luka Doncic shot in his four years from three? What's his three? What's his career average from three? I
2: know the answer.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, um,
2: but I also want to say that one of the main reasons why Luka is great, but still not LeBron or or others is because of his his, inf- his inefficiency, mm-hmm. which is part of the deal. Like yeah. I think a key is around thirty four percent. Yeah, maybe a little bit less.
3: Yeah, he's thirty three percent for his career. He was thirty five percent from three yeah. last year, and I don't know, man. I I I, there, I just worry about Giddy like being a non threat. You know, I, I just think that offensively,
2: Draymond Green is a non threat. I know. I know he is. You can work around that if you have elite shooters. That is my entire point. Yeah, but thirty-eight percent, thirty-nine percent is, 39% that, is, that is that a,
3: elite. I, I. mean, oh, still, it's elite. But still, I would rather have like no holes in the offense. Draymond Green is elite at so many things, though. Like absolutely, he's elite, elite at rebounding and passing the ball.
2: Yeah. He's really elite at eighteen.
3: Yeah, I just he think will be. If he can shoot, though, I think you're underrating what he can be. If he can shoot.
2: My point is, uh, and, and we have so many questions, so I don't want to, 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 to take too much time, but my question is specifically about the type of shots that he will take.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like I don't see a world in which Giddy takes 10 trees per game.
3: <laughs> I don't know. I, I can I, see can, him... If he can actually shoot... I think he would. Okay. I think that he might. I think that he might. I
2: don't know. I'm afraid that he's going to be a 4 type of 3-point shooter. Even if he's good. Because he, he takes time to load. It's not the thing that he does best. And so...
3: That, that's a, that's like, like baked into like... To me, that's kind of baked into the, the answer is like, if you fix his shot like he's not so. going to take forever to load up. Like he's going to be able to actually shoot. You know, he took... Four threes a, he took four threes a game last year, and he couldn't shoot.
2: I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I just I just wanted... Maybe my, my entire point is, don't forget about about Shea. Yeah. Because if you put a 39% season on Shea's last
3: year, he's a... Uh-oh. We lost McKelly. I promise that I'm not thirty point doing,
2: percent, oh, 30 point per game scorer with, like with a three-level potential. No, 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 no. I, I, was, not, I was not saying anything. Uh, I, I blocked myself uh, because I was thinking. Um, so I was saying like a 30-point-per-game 30 thirty-point scorer mm-hmm. with three-level potential and with like passing skill and whatnot. He is, if that happens, he's really a top-eight kind of player. Like, I'm, I think that Chip should work on Shea's shot as much as on Gidi's. That is my yeah. point.
3: Yeah, I would say that I think that Giddy is the primary reason he was brought in and that okay. he will work with others, I would guess, um, that he will work with others too, but I think Josh is most likely the uh, like the big reason why you would bring in a guy like Chip is so that he can go from... Because it's kind of interesting because I think taking somebody who's like clearly not a good shooter and making them a passable shooter is probably even harder to do, you know. Um, Fabricio Alberto is a guy that people don't think about when you think about Chip England. But he was a guy that stayed in the NBA for a long time because Chip England helped him, you know. Fabricio Alberto. This yeah. is amazing. Like, I mean, that's, that's fantastic. That is a guy that probably wouldn't have been in the league for more than a season, you know, Mm -hmm. until Chip helped him, you know. So I would say that he's here to help pull Giddy up to a decent level of shooting. And if he can do that, then I do think that there is a pretty high ceiling because of the competitive nature of Giddy, um and because of his sm- just how smart he is like he just knows how to yeah. play you know there's there's something to that like guys that just like man that guy knows how to play the game and he gets in yeah. there and he just he dominates because he knows how to play the game better than everybody else i mean there have been a lot of guys that have come through Oklahoma City that you're like man i don't like he's a great athlete and he can do some stuff but like i don't know that he gets it like on the next level. You know, Giddy is just like this next level thinker uh, on the court where you're like, oh man, like it didn't take long to realize like how special Josh is um, when it comes to just like thinking the game. Uh, All right, we, I've got maybe 10 minutes and then we got to go. So I'm going to try to rapid fire through some of these other ones.
1: Andrew, what's up? This is Damon. I wanted to hear your opinion on a couple Thunder related issues. The first one is if we are scheduled or projected to go 30 and 52, and that's a pretty bad season. I'm sure we're not, we don't want to be bad. Who do you see as the first person, the first player out in the top five starting lineup to get yanked and someone else start for them, and then who would be the the second player? And on top of that, what do you think will be our symptoms of, like, why we're not good? Because if we're only starting one rookie, the excuse of not being being young, yes, it, it still applies because Giddy and, and JRE, they are young. So I just wonder what the, the overall – Reasoning will be that we're struggling. Thank you. Have a good day.
3: I would say this team is going to struggle because they're young. I mean, they're still average age of twenty-two, and that's the youngest team in the league. Um. Also, like adding in Chet is a pretty big deal. Like, this is a player that they're going to have to learn how. To play with you know, this is this is not going to be some just like plug him in, it's seamless, it's gonna be easy. Uh, it's gonna take some time to figure out yeah. where, where he likes the ball and how to play together. I don't think it's just going to be like from day one seamless, and also we have to realize too that like the giddy shea dynamic wasn't solved last year, yeah. Um, that I agree, and with so Chad, I don't, but. You think Chester's going to slide right in and it's going to be just a yeah. dominant player. Maybe Yeah, it's
2: going to be it's going to be pick and pop, pick and pop, pick and pop and the teams will adjust and then and then that, that is why I'm so high on that on next season and probably also high myself in general uh because I, I think that the the pick and pop <laughs> the pick and pop dynamic with Shea and, and Chet will be butter from the yeah. beginning. It's 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 basically playing with a, a better version on defense of Muscala at the basic level yeah. then to integrate Chet on different stuff Yeah, that's yes, it, that's I the agree thing. it that's will take thing.
3: time yeah like you want Chet to be a guy that's going to be like elite in the short role. yeah like, he didn't do that at Gonzaga he's not a guy that like yeah. operated in the short role, but he is clearly a guy that is going to set a screen for whoever's got the ball Giddy or Shea they're going to throw him mm-hmm. the ball and then they're going to want it then they're going to say all right now make a decision and they want him to, if he sees, they want him to see the corner quick, spread out to the corner. Or they want him to see yeah. got an advantage, yeah. take it. Those kind of things have not been like his assignments. And so those kind of things will take time. The pick and pop stuff, yes, like that's easy. But I think that they want to get as like, they want to get as much juice out of, you know, what Chet can do. And to me, pick and pop, Maybe a few times a game, but it's going to be the high-level decision-making stuff that Giddy and Shea and Chet can do that are going to make this team an elite team eventually. And I, I think you can add uh, J Dub to that list too of like players yeah. that are like really smart, know how to play, are going to be high-level decision makers. And I think they want to keep adding to that. And I think to me, that's those are the things that's going to take time you know it's going to take time for for Shane Giddy it's going to take time for those 3 to figure out how to play together i mean that to me is is why they're going to struggle it's not and that's expected i don't yeah. think that anybody's under you know any false pretenses that this team is going to get it together and if and if they're not good by golly we're going to have to pull somebody from the lineup and put somebody else in there that can get the job done it's that's not what we're talking about that's not we're not there yet and honestly, Can if they I were say really trying-, trying. I think. Yeah. Go ahead.
2: No, I think that uh, um, I think that probably J.R.E. will get the starting nod. Yeah. And not because he that OKC okay, is bad, but I think that it's likely that someone off the bench is playing so well that they earn the starting job. That yeah. I think may happen because DeKnot has been very flexible with these rotations. And I think that, that is a dynamic that I can see happening. Hmm. Again, it's not, yeah, let's yank JRE, but maybe because it it's better for JRE to play uh, with a second unit and maybe JDAB or even Jeng, uh, which is, well, if that happens, it's it's something that I really don't expect. Uh, but maybe maybe JDAB is so great that you want to give him time. Um, and And maybe it won't be... A starting unit but it will be a closing unit mm-hmm. so maybe no one gets yanked but the closing unit it's not Jerry so stuff like that I can see happening
3: Yeah. Uh, okay this will be our last question
4: hello Andrew and Mickey Trey Brown again with another Thunder Monday voicemail question uh, my question for you guys this time is about the 2021 NBA draft class we just saw the rookie seasons from everyone in that draft class. And my question from you guys, uh, or for you guys, rather, uh, who do you guys think maybe had an overlooked uh, rookie season, uh, want, like a player that maybe had an underrated rookie season? And then who do you think is getting a little overrated th- at this point in regards to the 2021 uh, NBA season, um, or NBA draft class, excuse me? Um, But, yeah, just a quick one this week, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for answering these questions, and I hope to hear hear your answer here soon. Thanks.
3: You have any players that come to mind? I think Quinton Grimes. Yeah, Quinton Grimes, yes. Quinton Grimes. Yeah, he is. (laughs) He... (laughs) I <laughs> don't know. McKelly's cutting out. Um, Quentin Grimes is definitely one right. for me as well. When I went through this exercise last night, he was one that um, that popped up, uh, you know, right away. Another one that I think went under the radar because the team really stunk was Corey Kispert. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of had a tough start, but eventually started shooting the ball really well, and you know we've, like, he's a really good off ball. Um, not only in like finding threes, but like cutting toward the basket as well, and like he's six foot seven. Like he's a guy that I think is going to play in the NBA for a long time. That like mm-hmm. just nobody talks about, <laughs> you know, mostly just because that Wizards team is just so putrid. Um, and then as far as guys that are maybe talked about a little bit too much, um, like. Jonathan Kaminga, like, didn't have a great season, but he got a lot yeah. of people discussing him, which I thought was just kind of, in. I don't know, it was interesting. Like, Zach Lowe talks about him a lot, and I don't – I'm not going to say that I think Kaminga is going to be, like, some, like, terrible player or something. Like, he could be a great player. Uh, that's mm-hmm. still in the cards, but, like, the amount of talk that he got compared to others, you know, it's just a little – I don't know. It was weird, just because he doesn't know how to play yet. I mean, you talk to people that actually cover that cover the Warriors, and they're like, "Yeah, Jonathan Kaminga doesn't know how to play basketball." You know, like he's he's got yeah. he's got to figure that out. And to me, that's quite concerning, and that's something that not everybody can just overcome those kind of issues. And so, to me, I'm not saying like I'm completely down on Kaminga, but I was a little interested in the way that he was discussed um, by some whereas like within you know the walls like the Warriors they're a little bit more like yeah like we'll see we'll see what happens with him
2: yeah uh, I hope that I come clean now and through uh, well Um, I I think that um, I think that you are right I mean it's not that we want to put like a ceiling on what Kuminga can be in the future, the flashes are there. The flashes were there before the draft, and still are. I mean, he—he mm-hmm. he, if you look at the some of his play finishing abilities, he can.
3: Yep, there goes McKelly again. Yeah, I think the your point is like he's athletically is he can do things that most guys can't. He um, can ball. Uh,
2: when, uh, it's how many of those he sees. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm interested to see what it looks like. He's on the perfect team because if you're going to learn how to be a pro, you're going to learn how to play the game. You're playing with the right guys. I guess I'm cutting out. Yeah, you're cutting again. Out. Yeah, you're cutting out big time. Um, it's you know Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson. Like there couldn't be a better trio for a rookie that needs to learn how to play the game um, for him to be with. So I think it's great for him, but I do think that people kind of jump the gun on what he can do. Um, another guy I think that could surprise and I think will take on a pretty big role as Zaire Williams and uh, Memphis. Yep. Um, I think he's a guy that will, will be able to play some big 10 minutes. Uh, all right. Thanks so much for listening to the show. We appreciate all the voicemails. I will be safe, like banking some of these as well. So if you, if you have a good question and it didn't get answered on today's show, don't fret. It could still surface. Uh, in the upcoming weeks. But continue to leave those voicemails. Look for the tweet that I send out. Um, And again, just make them brief and pointed, and we will be able to answer your questions. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and we will talk to you guys again on Wednesday.